Hey, it's Phil, and welcome on the Habit Bootcamps podcast, where I interview entrepreneurs and coaches about their mindset shifts and habits. In this episode, I interview Zachary Babcock, who is a goal achievement coach. Zachary is the host of the Underdog Empowerment podcast and author of the book, From Prison to Promised Land. Now, the story of Zach is pretty interesting. He used to be a drug addict and an alcoholic, and he went to jail two times. He was in prison for more than five years. When he was in prison, he found out that his girlfriend was pregnant with twins and he wasn't able to see them grow up in the beginning. He also found out that his sister had died. So all this time in prison made him contemplate what he wanted to do with his life and what goals he wanted to set. Now he's helping other people achieve their goals and make sure that they find their purpose. This really is a story about winning against all odds. In this podcast, we talked about how he got into prison in the first place. He gives some great advice for people who are in prison right now or just got out of prison and want to set their life straight. He teaches you how to set the right goals and make sure you achieve them. And he talks about the power of empowering questions. As always, check out this week's episode and let me know what you've learned from his story about him fighting his purpose and setting the right goals. Drop a comment below. Let me know what you've learned from this week's podcast and enjoy the episode. Hey, Zach. Welcome on the Habit Bootcamps podcast. How are you feeling? Right on. How are you doing, Philip? Glad to be here, my man. I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, I read your story and it's really going to be interesting to listen to. For people who don't know you, if you would have to introduce yourself with three character traits or words, which one would you use? Three words? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you put me on the spot there. Um, underdog entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Could you tell a bit about your story as an underdog, where you came from? Because now you're all about setting goals, but... What was the first important event or thing that happened in your life that really had a big impact on the rest of your yeah, life? Def- Absolutely, man. So how this all came about, you know, I, I did some time in prison for, you know, growing up being a knucklehead, uh, was stealing cars, just didn't really have any meaning, any purpose in life or anything that was really driving me. No, no chief aim or goals. And, um, you know, I did four years flat, came home for about two years. And then I got locked back up because I got in a job at this uh, clothing store and I got promoted two weeks in uh, because I was their top salesman. And I was, you know, I was excited because I was working at a bar and grill 50 to 60 hours a week, you know, not getting paid much. And now I had a chance to advance my, my career and finally put that in the past of, uh, you know, being a convicted felon. So I was excited, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I just got this job two weeks in, I get promoted into management on the sales team and everything. Things are going great. And then I put in my two weeks at this bar and grill um, because I had a better job now. And two days after that, they're like, yeah, Mr. Babcock, you know, you're a convicted felon. Um, You got to kick rocks. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was just like, man, you know, like as soon as I thought, you know, I had all this hope and everything going for me and excited. I'm like, I'm putting everything behind me. And then boom, just like that. Now um, I'm jobless and I'm, I'm back to square one. And it, it seems like my past is just keeping, keep, keeps coming back to haunt me and there's no way that I can move forward. So instead of just taking that and moving forward and searching for another opportunity, 
I just so decided to throw a pity party for myself and I started partying heavily, drinking heavily, um, became an alcoholic, full-blown, just as, as soon as I wake up at like 10 in the morning when I rolled out of bed from being blackout drunk the night before, started drinking all day and partying into the night. It was a complete mess. And um, this went on for, for a few months. And then my uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, which is my, now my wife, she, she got pregnant. And I was like, are you, you know, are you, are you kidding me? I can't even get a, get a job right now. All this stuff's going on. Like, what's next? And then the next thing was, well, it's twins. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, it was one thing after, after another. And, and I still didn't have no chief aim, no purpose driving for me. I felt empty because I didn't have, you know, something that I felt, you know, really ambitious and passionate about. And um, I ended up getting a DWI and getting sent back to prison for eight months. And then that was 20 days before my twin sons were born. And um, man, that was, I felt big enough to sit on a penny and swing my feet from it. It was um, the worst, the worst I've ever felt. You know, not only am I missing the, the birth of my own children, but I'm leaving my wife out there by herself, you know, to, to bring these children into the world on her own. So, you know, I, I felt less, less of a man. I didn't, I felt like nothing. And um, at the same time, though, you know, I, I woke up, you know, in Ferguson Police Department jail from a, from a blackout drunk on the metal bunk. There was no mattress on there. And I'm like, where am I? You know, and I realized this and I'm like, you know, at the same time, as bad as that was, it was also one of the best things that's, that's ever happened to me because that was my rock bottom. That was the the pain threshold that I couldn't take anymore. And I, and I said to myself, you know, I don't care what what has to happen or, or what I have to do. I'm going to get out and I'm going to be a responsible father and I'm going to live a successful and happy life. And I made that resolve right there in that jail cell. And I went in for went on for about the next eight months in, in prison and, and I finally got to come home. And when I came home, man, I, I I couldn't find a job anywhere. You know, nobody was hiring a convicted felon. And I'm filling out five to 20 applications a day, seven days a week, yielding nothing, nothing, zero results. But I had made that decision that I didn't care what happened. I was going to, I was going to make it happen. But at the same time, I'm feeling desperate. I'm feeling inadequate because I can't even provide for my family. And I'm supposed to be the man of the family. Um, and, and just, man, I was hungry and this went on for about a month and a half. Then I got introduced to a business opportunity. It was network marketing, which I did for about two years. And at the time I didn't even know what network marketing was. So you couldn't scare me off with the word pyramid scheme. Uh, all I knew was it was an opportunity to, you know, be able to provide for my family. And I jumped on it. And within the first six months, I yeah, before we delve into that change, because I try to make it a bit into to increments of like mindset shifts. I know some people who, who end up like in, in uh, prison or when shit is it's the fan, it can even hit the fan a bit harder, like what happened with you. And then you get rejected because not a lot of people want to hire you because you get that label of being a prisoner. Just before you started network marketing in business, how difficult was it for you to not go back to your old friends and old behavior or or environments that would draw you back to the previous behavior because there's a lot of people who revert back and go to prison out prison out and find it hard to escape that uh, environment and that social circle yeah definitely so the first time I came home from prison it was it was really hard you know and, and I easily fell back into it because I didn't have that that purpose that 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 meaning of life driving me but this time once I hit, once I, you know, woke up and realized that I was going to miss my children being born, it, it was a wrap. I didn't, I made a resolve right then and there that I wasn't going back. 
yes, it, it was extremely, you know, hard, you know, overcoming those odds, you know, that I, that I did to myself, but there was no, there was no turning back to the old lifestyle. It was, I made my, made that decision. And at that point, my desire to change became stronger than my desire to stay the same. Did you feel back then, uh, I can't do this anymore instead of like, this happens to me, this happens for me. Wasn't there a stage when you said like, why does this has to happen? And, and, and this always happened. And there was like no responsibility from, from your part that it happened. Yeah, definitely. So like, I, and man, the, it's so powerful. Those, those types of questions. I used to ask those type of questions. Like, why does this always happen to me? Mm-hmm. Instead, now, like when I'm faced with situations, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, how can I overcome this? You know, like the shift in that, the empowerment questions versus, you know, the questions that are just going to doom you to failure. And, and yeah, I did ask those a lot. And by now, I, I started coming into this growth mindset, I guess you would call it, um, before I would blame all the outside external factors. You know, I'd blame those for my problems instead of taking the responsibility myself. Yeah, sometimes the universe conspires in a way to show you the path, but a lot of times they have to show you it repeatedly before you give up the stubbornness and say like, maybe this shows me something that I can work on because I keep on hitting my head against the wall and it's not the wall that's hitting me, it's, it's me hitting the wall. So something must go wrong here. So I might as well take a look at why do I keep hitting these walls? Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. It's, it's funny. Like you said, the universe has a funny way of teaching you lessons sometimes. (laughs) So you went into network marketing. Was it something purposely that you chose or was it like, "Mm, they all rejecting me. So I might as well just start with network marketing. It's a funny story actually. So I, I was, I, you know, I, I'm looking for a job left and right, just looking for any opportunity. And I'm also working out at, at the gym at club fitness in my area and, um, you know, I was hardcore on that, you know, because that was keeping me in a positive mindset, you know, and, and giving me something to look forward to each day as I'm getting rejected over and over and over and over again. And um, I was posting pictures on Instagram, you know, the little hashtags or whatever with, you know, in the workout stuff, you know, because I was heavily into that. And a guy reached out to me on Instagram and asked me if I wanted to try some drink. And I'm like, who, who, who the hell are you and what the hell is this drink, right? And uh uh, it turned out though that he was actually lived in my area, so I was like, "Yeah, that's cool." And and my my response back was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll try." Is is there some type of opportunity in it? Like, what what is this? You know, I started asking questions, and realized that there was. A, he's like, "Yeah, I was just trying, you know, trying to get you let you try it, but there's definitely opportunity." And I went up and met with him, and um, and in his uh, his uh, upline, his uh, mentor, and um, it was just it was a perfect fit for me at the time because hey, I wasn't getting anything else, and I didn't even know. You know, even after I started, I still didn't even know what network marketing was until I started talking about it with my friends. And then they're like, oh, that's a pyramid scheme. I'm like, well, call it what you want, man. I'm trying to make things happen and feed my family. <laughs> and you did that for two years. And, and, and what kind of things did you learn about yourself and business through network marketing? And Yeah, so that I, and I'm forever grateful for the industry because it was my introduction to the whole personal development it uh it it opened up my eyes to a whole new world and that's where i where my personal growth really started to take off was in network marketing um i never read books growing up i used to always say you know i I was a video game type guy or whatever and my my mentor was almost like hey she'd send me books because i was breaking ranks and i was climbing up in the company and she was sending me uh books and so i was like hey did you read that book i sent you i'm like 
uh, no, I, you know, I, I got a, I'm building my business. I got twin sons that I'm taking care of and my wife and other relationships I'm trying to juggle. I don't, I don't have time to read. And finally, eventually she asked me, I said, you know, I said the same thing. She's like, Zach, if you mean to tell me you don't have five minutes to read a book today, that's it. I'm challenging. You don't have five minutes. I'm like, all right, all right. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and start reading. And once I started reading, you know, I, it went from like five minutes a day to like 10 minutes a day. And then got it all the way up to like 30 minutes to an hour a day, every single day consistently. And that's when it started like, wow, you know, and, and another, that, that, that opened up like a whole world of possibility, obviously, because you know, you can get into the minds of the great, great people before us that, that have achieved the type of success that we're after are certain things in their life that we, we want. But um, my mentor in there, you know, I, I would see all these, these top earners, you know, and they got the financial freedom and, and time freedom, whatever. And I was like, you know, I, I want that not, you know, for specific reasons, you know, I want to be able to take my, my wife out of these two jobs that she's working and be able to come home and spend it with our family. And so we can create more memories that really matter to us. And um, I, I asked my mentor Ray in, in there and I said, you know, how do you do this? He said, you know, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I was like, man, it's, it's so simple, but it's so true. And obviously he was a big Zig Ziglar fan, mm -hmm. but I wasn't writing down my goals and that's who started getting me to write down my goals. And, and once I started writing down my goals, man, it, it was, it took on a whole entire new meaning because it, and I'm not big on these studies and, and, mm -hmm. and, and so, because, you know, they test just a small amount of uh, people, but every single study I looked at, you're like more than 80% likely to achieve your goals when you write them down versus when you don't. And once I started writing down my goals, obviously I had to learn, you know, effective goal setting methods that, that work. But over time, I started crushing my goals just by, just by writing them down and, and having a plan and something to aim for. You, you said you started reading like five minutes and you said like, I don't have time. I'm building my business. Now I'm of course being idealistic, right? If I would now be in prison, like God forbid I would, I would think that I have so much time in prison. I could read so much books. I could think about my life. I could reflect, not that you have to go in prison, but isn't there like, it's probably your mindset, right? Because there must be a lot of time in prison that you could study some books or write things down or rethink your life. Or am I wrong with the schedules in prison and the time and, and what you're allowed? Oh, no, you're, you're, you're dead on, dead on. There's so much time that you can, you know, have to do. And, and I did spend a lot of it like working out, but I didn't, I never was a book reader. So I never, that never really drew my interest, which, you know, I wish I would have, you know, cause I could have had a little head start. But uh, I was always like in there either working out or, or selling sport tickets, you know, to make, make a little money on the side or whatever, or playing poker or whatever, you know, to, to hustle and make some money. But yeah, I could have definitely spent it wiser in there. You weren't rapping back then because I heard you were also rapping and I also had a rap career of like 16 years, you know, and, and battling <laughs> and freestyling. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I um, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's crazy. We had a lot of similarities there. <laughs> yeah, I gave up the the rap and uh, the rap career back in two thousand and twelve. I haven't rapped since, and I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this is uh, kind of funny. It's the first time I said this publicly, but I still have like a desire for. I still think about it sometimes. Like, man, I just want to get back up there one more time, you know, or something. So you never know. There might be something to come in the future. I have the same thing. I'm like, sometimes maybe I should make like a a rap video about procrastination or about productivity or. <laughs> Battling, <laughs> product, battling procrastination. I'm just battling and rhyming against the 
a guy named procrastination or something. <laughs> hey, that'd be unique, man, because you don't see it out there. You just see all the all the rap stuff they're talking about, you know, they're in the club and doing whatever, you know, and <laughs> that, that'd be pretty unique, though. So you, so you were uh, building your goals and you were uh, having a mentor. Um, how did you set the right goals or where did you start with your goals? So, you know, I've developed a process since then and that's kind of moving on to like the next, next uh, phase of everything. Cause I got to the point in network marketing where I was setting goals. I was having like success, not like crazy success, but I, I had built up like almost a $2,000 a month income. That isn't huge, but for a guy like me, I was able to, I was making more than minimum wage. I was able to provide for a family versus before I couldn't even find a job. So it was cool, but I wasn't getting fulfillment and I kind of lost my passion for network marketing. It's a great industry, but it just, it wasn't my calling in life and it wasn't what I was really called to do, but it was a vehicle for me to really find myself. It's what I look back, you know, hindsight. And, um, you know, I, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. I wasn't happy. And this was something that I struggled to pull a trigger with, you know, usually I'm the type of guy that it doesn't take me long to make a decision. I just jump off the cliff and roll and grow wings on the, on the way down. But this, it was like, ah, it's kind of, you know, it's hard stepping out the fear of the unknown, walking away from my security net of where I have a, 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 an income coming in versus stepping out into coaching where I know nothing about, but it's something that really, really excites me. And I believe it's my calling and I know I can help people that way. And um, it, it, it took a while, but I finally made the jump in the beginning, uh, at the very end of 2016 in December, I said, all right, I'm gonna start this year off brand new. Uh, and I hate New Year's resolutions because everybody does that new year, new me stuff uh, uh, starting out. But anyways, it was just at the time I was going through it and I finally made that jump. And I guess where you would to go to your question where you start, where I built that foundation is f finding who it is that you're creating your legacy. You know, you got to create that foundation, that life compass that's going to guide you throughout the rest of your life. Yeah, you can make all kinds of goals, but if you don't have that chief aim, that you're, that you're going for, those goals are meaningless. So I always try to look at the end result. And I read this book, uh, uh, pretty sure you've read it too, or at least heard about it, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he talks about in there, it was something that really made an impact on chapter two when he says, visualize your funeral, you know, what would you want your family, friends, and coworkers to say about your character, contributions, and achievement in life? And so I, I, that really helped me kind of hone in where I'm, where I'm putting things into perspective, like, you know, what do I want, to, what do, what do I want my legacy to be? Cause for me, you know, everybody has specific motivations that drive them in life. Yes, I am motivated by money, but that's not, not my number one motivator, but not by far. My number one motivator is my legacy. I want to, I want people to remember me after I'm gone as someone that actually contributed to the world and help, you know, better those around them. That's what drove me the most. So that was the key for me to get in started with, uh, with the whole goal setting with the process. Yeah, because it was also in the temple of Delphi, like uh, know thyself. We want to know ourselves because then we can set goals, but it's by taking action related with goals that we get to know ourselves. So what compass could people use to go in a direction that brings them closer to the goal? Because maybe yeah, so, they don't know yet what I want, but I also don't know yet what I want to do. But I stay stuck here into doing nothing and not getting to know myself better. So where, where should I start when I want to set out on my journey? Or what questions could I ask myself to simplify, specify, and get moving? 
I always like to look at it like, what are you passionate about? And the ways you could f- figure out, you know, what are you passionate about? Like, what do you fear being judged about? Because if you fear being judged doing a specific thing, that means you're more than likely passionate about doing that. That means you care enough about other people's opinions that you, you're passionate about doing it. Maybe what is something that you do that you just completely lose track of time? You know, like where you do like, wow, that time just went by so fast. And what do you honestly love doing, you know? And yeah, it's, it's kind of cliche, but you know, a lot of cliches are true. Um, but we only have one life to live. So why not spend it doing stuff that makes you happy? Because at the end of the day, you should live every single moment of your life being happy. And you can do that. And obviously you're going to, there's no such thing as a wrong emotion. You know, like, you know, anger is a really good emotion. It's an action signal. It's telling you, you know, that you're, you're obviously frustrated and you can use that to propel you to, to hit your dream, you know, or to, to, to reach your goal and everything. But to find that passion, what it is that makes you happy, that, that that's what's going to drive you. And then also building that why. Why is it important that you make it happen? Because, you know, that, that why is going to get you through those times when you're running into that brick wall over and over again, you know, and you're going to sit there and figure it out. You, you, you talked a bit about... Um that you don't like new year resolutions, but you set out a new year resolution and you said like, I want to make an impact. I want to make money, but I also want to make a bigger impact. Could you guide us a bit through your process of what goals you set then in that year and how you maybe make it into incremental steps or how you divided it? What was your focus then and specific goal that you said, okay, I'm going to work around this team or this focus. Yeah. So I, like I said, when I got into this, a big thing was I didn't know how to be a coach or how to do that, but I knew that was something that I really wanted to do. So, you know, I, I set out these goals and it's so funny because I didn't hit any of them, <laughs> but I was like, all right, have like a hundred, hundred thousand YouTube subscribers and, and, and grow my email list to a to hundred thousand, all this stuff and didn't even get close to it. Um, but the fact that I set those goals and started making progress to them was key but along that way, along doing that and, and, and constantly soaking up, you know, not, you know, too many, too many times. And I got stuck in this myself analysis paralysis where you're just constantly absorbing the information, but you're not taking action. So I, I got into the part where I was like, all right, I'm going to find stuff that I feel like is really useful information and I'm going to apply it right away. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't, you know, I'm going to figure out another approach, but I'm going to keep changing my approach, but not the goal, you know, until I find success. And eventually, you know, I came across uh, Russell Brunson and, and ClickFunnels and oh my God, dude, like that, that's what helped me get to like, if I can, it's crazy. Cause I've had one-on-one coaching from other people and I've been to other events mm. and I've never, I've never even met Russell Brunson, <laughs> but just his book alone, expert secrets and dot-com secrets was better than any, any coaching or, or program I've ever been in. Cause he's that good. And that kind of, you know, helped me hone in on things. And so then I started setting these goals now where I take the goal, you know, I had like the, the end result goal, not the end result goal, but like, yeah, the, we'll call them end result goals. Like, all right, I'm going to hit a certain specific number or in, in my business. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, a, a thousand email subscribers. All right. And then I take it, take that goal. And this is really key. I break it down into bite-sized chunks and, you know, how you do it. There's a bunch of different ways. I like to do it, you know, focus on the 80-20 rule, obviously, where you take what are the top 20% of activities that produce 80% of the, the results and focus on those. I also like to 
give myself shorter deadlines, like really, really, really short deadlines because it's this human nature. Whenever we got all this time to do something, we'll procrastinate, do whatever. But when it gets close to making it happen, we'll go hurry up and make it happen. So when I give myself a bunch of shorter, shorter deadlines, I'm more productive and, and more efficient and more effective all the way around. And also I always, you know, sometimes you don't know what the next steps are. So, so I'll ask myself empowering questions like, you know, I say, what's the next best step that I can take? And I ask it with emotional intensity. And I'll think about it, brainstorm, draw it all out on the, on the whiteboard. But I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, what is the next best thing I can do that will move me closer to my goal? And once you get all that down, like, you know, I like to map out an action plan. Like, all right, here's all the milestones I'm going to need to hit to hit this 1,000 subscribers on my email list. Here's all the resources I'm going to need. Here's all the tools that I'll need. You know, I like to map all that out but not get stuck there. I map all that out and then boom, I got it. All right. So what are my next steps if I have this action plan, you know, and, and I, I try things and if certain things don't work constantly switch up the approach, but not the goal until I figure out the things that do work. And eventually you'll, you'll, you know, by breaking it down that way, you're chipping at the goal every single day and making progress bit by bit by bit. Are you an advocate of setting an ambitious goal and then going for it and, you know, stretching your limits and going beyond your comfort zone? Or are you somebody who is an advocate of setting small goals, reaching them and getting that success experience going and then moving on to the next step and goal? Great question. Cause we skipped that. So, so it, it, the, the process that I teach, I'm definitely an advocate of big goals. Um, and so the first thing is I like to, you know, find that, that legacy, that end result, you know, what are my life values that I'm going to be driven by and having that life compass is that first step. Second step, take whatever those goals and stuff that I had and, and, and just blown it out the water, go for it all. Because, you know, we only, we only have one life. I'd rather be on, I'd rather be on my deathbed and failed at my goals, but knowing that I gave it everything, everything that I absolutely had and went for everything that my heart desired versus being sitting on my deathbed and saying, what if I would have tried, you know, I, I regret not trying, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I couldn't live with myself if, if I knew that I left something out on the table, you know, that didn't give it my all. So definitely. And then that third step, that's when I go and take those big, crazy, ambitious goals and I make the action plan and break it down all the way to the next step. And what that helps me do is get rid of that feeling overwhelmed, you know, because when you, you know, when you have those crazy big goals, you, it, they're awesome and they do drive you and they give you that extra fire and stuff, but they can be overwhelming. But when you break it down to the next steps and you're constantly making progress, it, it eliminates that feelings of being overwhelmed. It's kind of ironic that once you are really dependent on other people and you see that what you do has an impact on other people, like you with, with your family and with the twins that you were going to get, that you finally discovered like what your passion was and what you are passionate about. Yeah, man, definitely. It's, uh, it's crazy too. Cause it started, it started just being passionate about being a father, you know, and, and getting back home and just being, being there and not missing that out. Cause that's what drives me the most. You know, I, I, you know, I love that, that connection that I have with my children and with my, with my wife and everything. But as, as it happened, you know, as I made that shift to, I guess, being, more about someone else besides myself, you know, like I cared more about their, you know, their well-being and them having a father in their life because I didn't have a father growing up. Mm. It also kind of, you know, led me towards a better path. And I started finding those other things that I was passionate about. I was just trying to, you know, find a job just so I can support them. And that led me, I couldn't find the job and it led me to finding 
you know, a true outlet where I can really express myself and, and, and find fulfillment in life. It's interesting that you also say because you had no father and then you maybe want to be the father for your children that, that you actually never had. Do you also maybe have an explanation why it, I think it's the second biggest predictor of uh, men being in prison that they're like raised in a fatherless home? Do you know why it's, it's so important to have a father or a father figure and that sometimes makes uh, men go astray and then... Yes, so I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, so I, I, going back all the way to when I was seven years old, my father died. Ever since then, like I had like a big problem with wanting to be accepted by other people. And uh, I did just, I wanted to be liked by everyone. And obviously, you know, people have different beliefs and, and, and they're not going to like you because, you know, no matter how good of a person you are, there's always going to be someone with a different belief set and it just doesn't, you know, match well with you. And so when I, when I didn't, and, and I wanted to be, I looked up to all these, you know, different role models that just weren't really good role models, you know, because I didn't have that father figure in my life. And anytime that somebody didn't like me or, or rejected me and stuff, it, you know, I may have not shown it externally, but internally, you know, it hurt me and it led to, you know, depression, I guess you would say, you know, I, I was, I was depressed, you know, I was just like, I just wasn't getting fulfillment because I was looking for it in the wrong places. And eventually, you know, that led to the drug addiction that I, that I went through for, for a number of years. And then eventually that went to, to prison. And I, I guess it all stems from, you know, like, you know, it, it's crazy because, you know, you can look at, you know, I think Tony Robbins talks about it. He's talking about two kids that grew up in a, in a bad home where the dad was super abusive and one grows up to be just like his dad and the other one grows up in his super successful family and all that. And the reporter goes back and asks him, you know, like, uh, how did you end up like this? And they both said, how could I not end up like this? But they both were in the same exact situation, mm -hmm. yet one took different ways. So that's why I say I can't really speak for everybody else. But for me, it was the fact of, I guess, not having that father figure and wanting to be accepted by everybody else. And until I was able to, you know, realize that, hey, I don't need other people's acceptance to feel happy with myself, then I, you know, truly started to find happiness in my life. How important was your girlfriend and your wife in during all that period? Because you were rejected by so many people and for jobs, you know, and, and then getting back in prison. So um, what is something she taught you or, or what is something she uh, gave you during all that period? Yeah. So her and my mother both, man, like, um, you know, I, I don't know how it would have been without them. Maybe I, I still might've ended up the same and, and turning my life around, but maybe I wouldn't, who knows, you know, you can never really tell, but having that support there, having, you know, those two that really, you know, had my back even when no one else did. And when I needed them the most meant the world, you know, because being in prison, it's like, it's hard to explain for somebody that's never been there, but it's not like crazy like they like you see like oh my god people are getting shanked left and right or whatever <laughs> it's, it's not crazy like that but it is it's lonely you know and it's mm. like you don't have no one there you're in there with mainly scumbags i mean it is what it is there is some good people in there but 90 percent, i'd say more than that are people that are just don't care about other people and they're they're looking to get over any way they can yeah they say they say most people become a prison a criminal in prison yeah, <laughs> it is because you get you, you get institutionalized is what they call it. you. You get stuck in that mindset and you're surrounded by, you know, just negative negativity all the time. You know, people complaining about every single thing under the sun and just 
whatever. But so having, having them there though, and, and coming up and visiting me, answering my phone calls, putting a little bit of money on my books, you know, all that, it meant, it just, it showed me that I still have people out there that care about me and that are, that, that want to see me overcome this. So it was huge. Yeah, because uh, you mentioned your mentor and you mentioned uh, your girlfriend or wife back then. Like, why, why don't you start reading books? So is that something that for anybody who was in prison or, or young guys who come out of prison, what are some things that could really help them? Like one thing maybe is, as you mentioned now, just get some support from some people or maybe government or other people should invest in helping these people, you know, find the right path and using this negative experience to take a different path in life. What is some other advice or things you think is useful when somebody goes out of prison and, and want to find a focus or a new goal in life? And this is something that I, that I am extremely passionate about because I feel like the, the resources that are provided um, here are just, it's, I, I feel like for one, like, you know, welfare and all that stuff, I feel like that's just like a handout. And a lot of people don't deserve that. They're just abusing that power. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, the, the resources that someone could actually need aren't provided. And that's something that I, that's one of my chief aims. Like I want to, after I get my business rocking the way I do, I want to start up my own nonprofit organization. Don't even want to make any money off it, but I want to provide those types of resources that are going to help not everyone coming out of prison, but the people coming out of prison or coming out of addiction that actually want to help themselves and that just could use those resources, you know, because there's a lot of people that are going to get out and abuse it. I don't want to, mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with those types of people. But one thing that I could tell, you know, anybody coming out there is that it's going to be, it's going to be rough. You got, you're, you're going to, it's going to be extremely hard to find any type of job. Uh, it's, you're going to have all these pressures, you know, from your old, crowd that you used to hang out with trying to pull you back in um there's gonna it's gonna seem like there's no light at the end of the tunnel at some times but you you have to find that why why is it that you have to stay out this time what is it that you have to do that it's it's a must it's no longer you should do this like it's a must you have to make this happen develop that strong desire of why you need to make this happen and let that be a driving factor and figure out what it is that excites you the most because more than likely your best route is to and, and your best route is to become an entrepreneur coming out of prison mm -hmm. is flat out but not everybody's an entrepreneur and not everybody's you know that's not you know that's not every single person because that is something that is still under your control and you could still prove yourself without being dependent on your your exactly. bad resume exactly Exactly. And that's your best route you have coming out of prison. So, I mean, it, but the, the thing that sucks about it is, is that not everybody is built to be an entrepreneur. It's just not their calling in life. So it, it's hard to say, like, I don't know, cause I'm not that I'm not the other person. I don't know how to tell people that aren't entrepreneurs what they should do. Obviously you're going to have to find what it is that you love doing most in life and pursue, pursue that route because I can help you you know, when it comes to goal setting, figuring out what your purpose is, but for others that, that are the entrepreneurs, man, get, get started right away. Find, get started in network marketing, a cheap, low, low end or affiliate marketing, something that is so low cost that you can start to build an income on and find your passion and, and what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life in the process. Mm -hmm. Is it also, I want to 
put myself in the mind of people who leave prison, should they also just in the beginning accept any job that they can, like flicking burgers or like baking pizzas and just making, you know, surviving and whatever, but still like after the hours, like finding a skill maybe or a passion that they could build upon and, and maybe be a bit patient. I mean, it, it's miserable working there, but at least it's something. Yeah, definitely. Like that could be your motivation, flipping those burgers every day. You're like, oh, I hate this. I can't wait to get out, you know, uh, that definitely because you got to do what you got to do. You know, you got to make things make things work. And you might more than likely, you know, I mean, in my business, I'm pretty sure you've experienced this too. You have to start somewhere and it might not be where you want to start at, but you have to work your way up to where you want to go. So yeah, man, uh, take whatever you can get. And let it, if it's something you hate doing, let that be a good driving motivational factor instead of making that, making that, you know, cripple you and hold you back and make you resentful. Let that drive you to, to find what it is that you're really after. Yeah. And, and this comes also back to goal setting, but also about productivity. Then you really have an incentive to use your time wisely, because just as you said before, if you're going to have too much time, maybe you're going to squander time because you don't value time. So, so uh, some people jump to be an entrepreneur too fast and they haven't been through the process of like ups and downs or not knowing what they're good at. And then they have that financial pressure. People are looking at them funny, like, what are you doing? You gave up your job or you're going to become an entrepreneur. So it's, it's difficult. So it's good sometimes to work at a job that you don't want. You're going to value your time and then really make use of your time, really make use of your weekend and make a calculated jump. And sometimes that can be better than taking the immediate jump and then burning your ass because you just jump too quickly and you have nothing to fall back upon. Yeah, that's a good point right there. You know, and, and it's really, really awesome. You said it cause I had to sit there and look at it from that lens because you know, I didn't, I didn't take that route. I was in the position where I couldn't even get a job and then boom, you know, luckily uh, my, my girlfriend and, and my, well, she's my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time and my, and my mother believed in me to give me that startup to get going which is, you know, a hundred dollars a month for, for a few months to get it, to get it rolling. But uh, luckily they believed in me, you know, some people might not have that, you know what I mean? And you made a good point there. So, you know, you might have to get uh, un, uh, under the table paying job or whatever it is like construction or whatever, a bar and grill, you know, making tips, whatever you can do to produce some type of income, but use that wisely. Obviously you're going to have to pay your bills and all that stuff. If fine, you know, we all have, you know, bill money and then we all have expendable income and um you know yeah and, and it's also income. like what you said about russell brunson he's like uh it's a good book by the way he condenses uh information of a lot of digital marketeers like setting up funnels but you also have to set up your own funnel your own productivity funnel let's say your own structure and it's easy to do a job when somebody else tells you what to do or you know the hours you know and it's structured it's not easy to do but it's structured in a prison you know when to wake up what the routine is but if then like, oh, now you're going to do it all yourself. Like, oh, when will I wake up? What will I focus on? How shall I set priorities? What shall I focus on in this? If you're going to be a, an entrepreneur business-wise or marketing-wise, because it's so much, <laughs> where am I going to yeah. begin? So it's not so easy to structure your life then and find a way and be your own boss and set up systems. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I guess the best thing you could do in that, in that circumstances is get really, really good at setting goals. Cause I feel like that's, that's what I'm so passionate about is goal setting because that's, that's how I structure my whole entire life. That's how I get things done. That's how I was able to get from nothing coming out of prison with nothing to where I'm at now in my business. Like, 
it's all, it's all because of how I've been able to set goals and structure my time and go after them and break them down effectively. And if you can master that, you could take these principles and apply it to whatever business or whatever career, whatever adventure that you're on and, and have success with that over time. Yeah, because what you mentioned now is the meta skill and the meta skill of a goal is the, is the skill of setting goals. The meta skill of building habits is the skill of building habits. And once you have that <laughs> meta skill, then you could use that skill on any kind of goal, any kind of habit you set. But that's, what, that's actually the most important skill to cultivate. Yes, I agree with you 100%. What are some misconceptions people have about goals or the achievement of goals? Yeah. So a lot of people say like, oh, that, you know, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm just better at acting on my intuition, which I've never, I don't think I've ever, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I have, but I can't recall a time where I've acted on my gut and it, was, it came back to bite me. Usually my gut feeling is a hundred percent and I'm all for it. Act, you know, act on your intuition. That's a strong feeling. That's a great guiding factor. But you pair that with goal setting, effective goal setting, an actual model of how to achieve your goals and make things happen, you just increase your productivity and your effectiveness by tenfold. Um, another thing I guess people would say is, uh, you know, they don't have the time to, to sit there and write down their goals. Well, look at it. You know, <laughs> all right. If somebody tells me that, I say, well, what you mean is you don't have time to be successful is what you really mean. If you don't have time to sit down and write down your goals every night before you go to bed and and then check them off throughout the day. Next day, you don't have time to be successful because it's it's proven again and again and again that people that actually write down their goals are are like eighty times percent more likely to achieve them than people that are not. It, you know, ninety seven percent of the world does not write down their goals, and they end up working for the three percent that do. So, if you really want to have happiness and fulfillment in your life make some goals each day and go for it each and each every day. So that's the best advice I can give to anybody. Why don't they write it down? They say they don't have time, but what do you think is underneath? They feel that their time could be spent doing instead of planning. They don't see the, the value in the actual planning. And so I think it's like for people like you and I, I feel like it's our responsibility to help them see the value in actually writing down the goals. Yeah, and the problem, you're also going to have this with people like, I set the goals, now they're just going to come to me like, it doesn't work. Like, yeah, but the goals is not the end point. Goals are the starting point. Now you're going to work towards your goals. It's not suddenly going to appear, you know, like, it's not that it doesn't work. It's that you don't work. And that's why you don't achieve it, you know, like, it, it's not, oh, now it's all done, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, you hit that right on, on the nose right there. You know, setting a goal, that's just taking your thoughts and making it real, you know, writing it down on paper. Now you have something to actually aim for, and it sets off those conscious and unconscious forces that pull you towards your goals. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to put in work. Uh, action is the name of the game. And if you're not going to take action, if you're not going to step outside of your comfort zone then you're not going to get your dreams and and yet there's ways to get past your fears there's there's a, a simple process to, to eliminate your fears eliminate the procrastination eliminate you know if you're a perfectionist all that all that's just excuses i understand it's barriers and those are very real things and i've dealt with those myself and had you know didn't take action on many of my goals for a big part of my life but that all can be removed but it has to start with setting those goals and taking that action yeah, man. And it, whether if you're a procrastinator or whether you're a perfectionist or whether you want to finish something, uh, just start. 
there is no uh it's it's not that it will make it easier it's just that it will make it happen and that you get moving you know like th- th- this is this is yeah this is maybe a cliche yeah. but the cliche that is like true you know like just start like hey when will i finish this just start i should have started earlier just start like uh the only reason man the only reason why people procrastinate Every single decision that everybody makes is based off of, I appreciate you already know this, it's based off of two things, you know, our, our, our desire to gain pleasure and our fear, uh, our, our um, uh, need to avoid pain. Those two things, our desire to gain pleasure and our, our need to avoid pain. So procrastination, the only reason why anybody would procrastinate on anything is because they link too much pain to doing it now and they link too much pleasure to putting it off to later. So the key then is to use these two pillars in every single aspect of our lives and link that pain and pleasure appropriately. Most people link the pain and pleasure inappropriately for the short term. They think they have a short term focus instead of the long term. The key is to set up for the long term, link so much pleasure to taking action now and, and, and link so much pain to putting it off. And, and obviously with most people, the, the, the need to avoid pain is stronger than the desire to gain pleasure. So you might want to use that pain to actually help you to take action now instead of putting it off. I think this is one of the reasons why I also have a lot of guests and it also uh, was the case with me, with you, with most of my guests that when they hit rock bottom, you know, so when the, the, the pain came from the outside by the impact that they had on other people, their life, then like, you know, that seesaw, that emotional seesaw became so strong on the negative side that it flipped over and say, like, there's more pain in staying this way than actually, you know, like trying something different and going for a change. You know, I think that is sometimes why rock bottom is so important, because then that seesaw just flips and you, you feel like. Yeah, I, I, I can't fall any lower anymore, you know, and, and especially when there's other people involved, it's like, it's not about me anymore. So you also see the effects of your bad behavior, not reflected in your mind, but also it's affecting other people. And it's like, okay, man, I just can't stay this way anymore. It's time to, to do something different because I can't handle this anymore. Sometimes combined with depression or suicide, like, hey, man, if this is going to stay this way, like, I can't live like this anymore, you know? which seems like a terrible thought, but it's also like, I can't live like this anymore. So it's time to change how I live. Exactly. You, you just brought up a really, really great point because that, that, that adversity, when I, when I was in that, when I woke up back in prison and going to miss my, my children being born, that's exactly what it was, that pain of not being able to be there for my family and the pain that I associated with not being around my family. Like I was like, I can't do this. This is too painful. And I associated so much pain with, with, with drinking and doing all the things that I was doing in prison that I made that decision right there. Hey, I, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm not coming back to this because I can't do that anymore. I associate so much pain. And so if you're going through these hard times and adversity, obviously it, it, it's, it's hard to, to, to have a good outlook at when, when things are just at the lowest that they can be. And it just seems like the world is, is crumbling and crumbling down, but just know that if it doesn't kill you, it's not going to kill you and it's making you stronger. And that's actually, you know, giving you strength and character to do great things later on in life. I mean, the days that broke me were the days that the days that break me are the days that make me, I'm, I'm grateful for them. I wouldn't change a thing because it made me who I am today. 
Yeah, but that's the man. I also went through the same process, but that takes some time. Like in the beginning, like, uh, why did this have to happen? And it's only when you start moving and you started having a different focus and you started not changing your circumstances directly, but changing your stance towards circumstances that you learn how to navigate circumstances in a meaningful way that you can see that the circumstances that happened in the past had like a meaning or some potential in them but your mindset was just not adapted to use them constructively. But now you realize that that had to happen to force you to do something now and change your life. Amen. Yeah. At the time it, it, it seems like it's, it's not a good thing, but like you said, hindsight, looking back, you can see that. And another thing I want to share, man. Um, so this is, this is something that kind of, kind of relates to what we're just talking about. When I was in prison the first time, um, I wasn't on my personal growth journey at this time, but looking back, it's like, wow, you know, I really was though, even though I wasn't reading books, understanding these principles yet. It, it's crazy. Cause I learned a lot of it on, uh, through these, through these hard times, but I was in prison for about two years. I was 21 years old and I was two years into my stay and I got sent to the, to the hole, which the hole is like the prison inside of the prison. It's just, it wasn't really, the hall of fame. No, it was the no, hall of shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing close to the hall of fame, but yeah, man, it's just like a real, a real dark place. It's, it's, you know, you're in an eight by 10 cell. I mean, so you walk three feet this way and turn around, walk three feet the next, uh, real dirty down there. Um, you have very little, if any human interaction and you get, you know, uh, food sent to you through a chuck hole three times a day and you get three showers a week, which is horrible. And um, I was down there uh, for two months. I got, well, I got sent down there for two months because I had gotten a bunch of tattoo violations. Being a knucklehead, I was 21 years old at the time. Uh, and two weeks into my two months stay in the hole, uh, the, the guards come and bang on my door, Mr. Babcock, cuff up. I'm like, for what? You know, and, and you know, at the time, I'm a mm -hmm. you know, knucklehead and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, the captain wants to speak to you. And I'm thinking, in my mind, the captain wants to speak to me. Somebody must have told on me about something I was doing on the yard or they're trying to get me to tell on somebody else. I don't have anything to say. Man, y'all can kick rocks or whatever. That was my mindset at the mm -hmm. time. So he take me back to the captain's office. He's like, Mr. Babcock, sit down. I'm like, I ain't got nothing to say. He's like, Mr. Babcock, how long have you been locked up? And I'm like, two years. And he's like, well, you know, when you come back to the captain's office, it's nothing good, right? And I was like, I don't care. I ain't got nothing to say, man. I don't care. I, you got me for two more months and then you got to put me back on the yard, man. You're wasting your time. And he's like, uh, we just got a call. Uh, over the weekend, your sister passed away, uh, and your mother found her in the bathroom. I'm like, wow. you know, um, yeah, it, 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 like my vision, this all of a sudden started blacking out, you know, like circle came down to nothing. And, and then just, it was a shock. And then just tears just started flooding out of my eyes. And I'm like, you know, I didn't expect my sister, you know, to be dead. That was the last thing I was thinking. I was thinking, mm -hmm. you know, something else. And, um, you know, I asked them, uh, they, they gave me a, a 30 second phone call, 30 seconds to my mom. And I got on the call for her and she's just bawling her eyes out. We can't even really get a conversation because we're both crying and stuff. And, um, you know, after that, you know, after we hung up, I asked him to put me in a, in a, in a cell by myself because I didn't want to be in there with, with my cellmate. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, for the next three days, I'm just bawling my eyes out. I mean, you know, no one in there. So all I'm going through my mind is all the memories I have with my sister, all the all the bad things I've ever done to her and stuff, just eating at me. And on that third day, I, I, I said, you know, there's gotta be something up, you know, better than this. You know, I'm, I'm obviously still here for a reason. Um, I don't know what that is, but you know, I, I got to find, I started asking myself, 
you know, I didn't know what I was even doing at the time, but I was asking myself empowering questions like, I'm stuck in a hole in an eight by 10 cell. There's absolutely nothing I can do to get out. But what can I do right now that'll make me happy? That was the exact question I asked. And I, when I asked myself that question, you know, and I, and I was asking it with emotional intensity because I was searching for anything. I was, I was at a real low point. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I developed this habit. You know, each day I, I had a set routine. You know, I'm stuck in a cell 24-7, so there's not much to do. And, you know, every day I'd wake up, you know, eat breakfast, and I'd read my book for, for, for a few hours. And this is like, I, 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 didn't, I don't even like reading, you know, at this point in time in my life. And we got old old Western books are, are the Bible and stuff. And uh, I chose to read the Bible because I couldn't read all the other books. Mm-hmm. They just put me to sleep. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big spiritual uh, or a Bible thump or anything, but I am spiritual. But uh, anyways, I, I'd read my book and then lunch would come around. You know, they serve lunch. And after lunch, I would, I would clean my cell. And what I did is we had two bathing towels. One, you know, two bathing towels to take a shower three times a week. And I took one of them and ripped it up into a bunch of small mini rags. And I took this one rag and I scrubbed my, my wall with it. Took another rag, scrubbed my sink with it. Another one for my toilet. Mm-hmm. Then I get down on my, on my knees and sweep the concrete floor with my bare hands. Gather up all the little dust bunnies into a little pile. Take a, some toilet paper, wad it up, get it damp, and then grab all the dust bunnies up and flush it down the toilet. After that, I take my, my final rag, get it nice and soapy and wring it out on my floor and scrub the floor until it's squeaky clean. And um, afterwards, I felt really good because I did something. I was living in a clean environment and I felt good about myself. And immediately after that, you know, I started, I did, did a bunch of workouts. You couldn't do much, but I did push-ups, dips off the back of the bump, burpees, anything, you know, you could do calisthenic-wise body weight movement in an 8 by 10 cell. And after that, I would feel great because I just, I just released natural endorphins in my body mm-hmm. and I was doing something, you know, to better my health. And, um, you know, and I had a, a bunch of other routines for the rest of the day, but those were like key parts, you know, writing letters, all that stuff. And by developing this, this routine, you know, I, I, I got, I, I had habits that I was doing each and every day that empowered me, that made me feel good about what I was doing. I was taking care of my health, living in a clean environment, doing something. And it, and it gave me hope in, in a really, really dark time in my life. Yeah, that, that is what uh, transforming chaos into order is about, about cleaning your room and having some structure that at least make you navigate some things and says like, at least I can take some responsibility for this. It, it looks a bit better. I feel a bit better. I, I took some... Uh, responsibility and control of my life, maybe in little meaningful ways, but it looks a bit better now, you know? You mentioned, I asked myself the question with emotional intensity. You already said it like two times. How important is it that you make that goal emotionally compelling or these questions emotionally compelling? Extremely important because anybody can ask themselves, all right, what's the next thing to do? Or what can I do that's going to move me closer to my goal? But if you don't have emotional intensity, if you're not like seriously searching for it and it means so much like what can I do that's going to bring me closer to my goal you know if you're not emotionally connected and and you have to more than likely you're gonna have to ask yourself this over and over and over again uh but you'll find that answer you know because the way our brain works if you if I if I ask you the question you're gonna immediately search for the answer wouldn't you agree like Mm -hmm. whether you said yes or no you're gonna say one or the other you're gonna look for the answer that's just how our brains are engineered so asking yourself questions, it shifts your focus. That's how you can control that focus. 
and asking it with emotional intensity, you're shifting your focus from, instead of saying, why does this always happen to me? That's focusing on the problem and your brain's going to look for reasons of why this always happens to you. But if you say, how can I overcome this? You're shifting that focus to the solution and you're going to start looking for solutions and, and, and different answers to, to figure that out. Yeah, basically thinking is talking to yourself. And if you keep on talking to yourself in a certain way, it becomes a story, you know, and you're watching that movie in your mind and you can have a prison in your mind in your case, or you can have a prison break and an outbreak in, uh, in, uh, in your position that you could actually free yourself and, and take charge, you know, uh, and not let the uh, inmates run the insane asylum, you know, with some people, they're <laughs> like ru ruminating all the time, or why does it happen, you know, and something can happen once then it's a let's say a, an incident two times a coincidence but if something keeps happening then it kind of becomes like a pattern and then you could ask the question what is actually the constant thing here well me my perception like how i handle things like how i move forward after something you know and if there are some things that keep on happening there's a big chance that at least some part is part uh is through your responsibility you know Absolutely. Yeah. I believe, I believe one of the most, one of the things that shapes our life the most is the, in those moments of adversity and in those trying times, one of the best things you can do is ask yourself these empowering questions because that's going to shape a big part of your life. You know, if you're in, if you're in, you know, a crazy situation where it's just like, you know, oh my God, it hits you and it's, and it's hurtful and it's just trying and you ask yourself, why does this always happen for me? It's going to bring more of that in your life. But if you figure out ways to, to ask yourself, you know, those empowering questions and you, and you overcome it, that's going to shape a huge part of your life is how you deal with adversity. You mentioned the routines that you had in your prison cell. What are some uh, product productivity routines or morning or evening routines or things that you do consistently that, that you need or choose to do to have a fulfilling and productive day? Absolutely. So I end every night with, you know, or end every day whatever time with, I never go to bed without setting the goals for the next day. It's like, it, it just can't happen. I got, I think Jim Rohn says that if you don't plan out the next day, you wasted that day. You got to wake up already, know what you're going to do. So I have that in place, but I have a morning routine. Uh, a lot of people talk about it and I used to think, ah, oh, you know, whatever, it's just a hyped up thing, but man, waking up earlier for it, it, waking up. I, it, you don't have to be this extreme, but getting up at 4 30 AM, and and running first thing when you get up, then taking some time to read some books, and and then taking some time to meditate. And it, I like to meditate. I really it really helps me, you know, stay in the now. And it's something that's I struggle with, but the more you do it, the better you get. That and then after you take take the meditation, then I like to knock out the first big to do on my to uh, on my goals. The first big thing I try I start working on that. And then my kids eventually get up and after they get up, they take over. But uh, uh, getting that done in the morning, getting some me time before my kids wake up because they're just freaking crazy. But uh, <laughs> getting some me time though and uh, getting that done, it helps put the day in perspective and it primes me. You know, I already got a little workout in. I got, I fed my mind through reading. I fed my mind in spirit even more by meditating. And then I started working on the number one goal. That really helps out. And then I, you know, get my kids ready. Uh, we get them something to eat, get them all ready and take them off the daycare. Then I come back and I grind and I got the rest of my goals to do. That's, uh, that's my, my productivity hack, but there's no set way of doing it. Everybody has their own routine, but I feel like having a morning routine in place that gives you time for you first thing in the morning, 
without any, you know, your kids or other, your spouse or whatever. I feel like that's still powerful. Is there, uh, at the end of the evening, you set like the goals, do you limit yourself to this amount of goals or do you put it down in tasks and prioritize them? Do you, or do you use a certain planner or a goal setting sheet or guide? Or- yeah. Yeah. So I, I set my goals with, with my, with my planner and, um, I prioritize, you know, what's, what's the number one priorities and I set those goals and then I'll set a bunch of other ones, but I'll circle the priorities. I write those down first. This is what needs to be done first. This is the most important thing I could do tomorrow. And then I get those down and circle those and everything else after that is just extra bonuses. Sometimes I don't even get all my priorities done because I work on one goal at a time it's so important to do just one because I used to be all over the place, you know, I do a little bit here and there. You never get anything done. But if you focus on one thing at a time and give it all your energy and block out all the distractions, not only do you do a better job at doing it, but you'll do a, you'll be more efficient job as well. And I, I just focus on one thing at a time and I go through the list and knock it out. Some days I'll not even get one thing done because I've been working on that project or whatever but you know, I made progress within it and some days I'll knock out everything and then don't have nothing else on my list, you know? So it's just, I'm with you though on that prioritizing is very huge. I'm also big on, on habits Are there certain daily or weekly habits that uh, you do or that you implemented that are beneficial for you. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're creatures of habit, you know, motivation, that's crap that comes and goes. But, uh, but habits, you know, motivation, if you have a strong why, it doesn't come like, cause there'll be days where you don't want to do it. But if you have a strong enough why that pushes you, but habits. So of course, like, you know, setting goals is a habit, uh, working out each and every single day is like a habit. Um, you know, taking time each day to put my phone up and spend time with my kids is another habit that I do, you know, a habit each week to, to take time to spend with my, my wife is another one because it's big to take a step back from the grind. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I love grinding. You know, I love working on, uh, working on my dreams and my goals. It's what excites me, but I have to take myself away to balance the balance my, my life out. But I notice when I do that, I come back and I'm even more effective when I take those breaks. Yeah. I, I find that you have people who find difficulty starting, but then you find it difficult to stop or you have people <laughs> who, you know, are, are the other way around, you know, they find it difficult, uh, you know, finishers and starters. So some people, they just have to get moving and they can be productive. But on the other side, you have these type A personalities hustling addicted to the grind that they, they can't stop. They want to complete everything. And, you know, they're just like, oh, chill a bit. You know, like productivity is also not working just as not working out can make you work out more the next day or can make you recover and gain some more mass, you know. Yeah, man, dude. Oh, man, I struggled with this for so long and I still do. Uh, but I had, that's why I finally got into this morning routine stuff because I would, it's hard for me to go to bed at night because I'm like, I want to get this done. I want to keep, I want to keep moving. And the thing about it is when you're so passionate about your, your setting your goals and, and dominating them, it's hard to stop. But the thing is that no matter how much work you put in that day, there's always going to be more to do it's a journey. There's no like really end point. It's a, it's a journey we're going on because after we start getting close to the ends then we start setting new goals and raising the standards. So it was so hard for me just to lay down at night and, and, and give it a break. But once I did though, once I did start making it a priority to get in bed by a certain time and, and to get up every morning, it, it, my, my effectiveness has just been it, the increase is, is crazy. I don't know exactly how much, but I just know that I get so much more done. I feel so much better too, 
now that I make that time to step away. Yeah, strong boundaries is important to say like now it's done or that's the end of the working day or this is what I'm going to do because about this and this and I could do this. Like, yeah, but to have like a clear boundary to have like now it's done because there's always going to be things that you're more interested in, especially if you're like in that cortisol, adrenaline, positive fight and flight mode, let's say like that deep focus, <laughs> but you know, then you can like, whoa, what happened? I sacrificed my sleep. I'm close to a burnout. You know, I keep going like it's hard to stop. So it's good to stop yourself sometimes, especially if you keep going for a much too long time, you know, temporary hustle, intense effort is great, but you're not going to run a marathon like a sprinter, you know, you can't keep this up. So temporary is good. But if again, it becomes a lifestyle, for some people, yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk, it's a lifestyle, you know, but if you have family and you have some friends and you have other activities, it's also important for other people to know that you still make time for them, you know, and it's not only about the hustle or your work, you know, I feel at least. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you say, you're gonna be up at like two or three, four in the morning, with bloodshot eyes trying to work <laughs> on stuff and barely getting anything done because your brain is warped at that point. But you're like, I gotta keep going. It's just, yeah, take a break. Yeah. And this headache and this zombie mode, you know, and then when you're perfectionistic because you worked not with the 100% energy, you had some spelling errors and your perfectionistic mind is like, ah, oh, I have to do this. And you're micromanaging things that are not important. I've been there, man. I Still a struggle yeah. for me also. Are there some, some habits that you're like interested in and you think, hmm, this could maybe be beneficial for me or some habits that you tried in the past and that you, along the way you drop, but that you know could be beneficial for you? Yeah, you're putting me on the spot here with this one, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yoga, man, I hear so much good stuff about it, but me being a guy, I'm like, I don't know, but I hear there's so much good things about yoga and it has to do, you know, also with mm -hmm. meditation and stuff, but yeah, I could definitely, I, I definitely want to start. I, I, you know, and I, now that you mentioned it, I'm actually going to go ahead and, and, and do it at least to say that I did it and try it. Cause I've been procrastinating on that one. I'm going to hold you accountable for it, man. <laughs> Before we delve into the concluding so, questions, is there anything that you would still like to share or talk about that uh, you haven't been able to share? Man, I think we, we covered a lot, man. One of my main things is, you know, finding that why that's going to drive you more than anything in life, you know, and uh, I think we covered that pretty, pretty well. Now, you already mentioned uh, Expert Secrets and Dog Tom Secrets by Russell Branson. What are some other books, uh, not only for entrepreneurs, but people who want to take responsibility, find their why, or that could be beneficial for them to get out of rock bottom and find meaning and find their path in life? I'm pretty sure there's other books out there that are better than this one or there may not be, but in my opinion, the best book I've ever read was uh, Tony Robbins awaken the giant within mm -hmm. that was, it's like 500 something pages long. It's a, it's a thumper, but <laughs> man, that was such an eye opener. Cause I learned so much stuff about that. And, and some of the stuff I learned in there, it's like, wow, I've been doing that. I just haven't, didn't even know that's what I've been doing. It's just a, there's so much stuff in there. It's, it, it, it's really, really powerful. And it's like a complete guide to really, and it's going to be really hard to master. I haven't mastered anything, uh, everything in that book, but it's something that I keep going back to. It's a really, really good, good book. And it's going to, going to help you find that fulfillment in life that you're searching for. Other mentors or resources that also could be like useful or that people could check out uh, that influenced you a lot. Yeah, I like Stephen R. Covey a lot, his, you know, with the seven habits. Uh, Tony Robbins, of course, is a big one. 
Uh, if you're looking, in my opinion, the best marketer in the world that's alive is Russell Brunson. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see anybody coming close to that guy. That guy's amazing. Uh, he's helped me out so much. Um, it, those are those are my go-to's right there. Uh, Tony Robbins and Russell Brunson being the big ones, but there are others out there. Uh, Tim Ferriss is another really good one. Like he has got a lot of real cool productivity hacks. What are some ambitious goals on your bucket list that you would like to achieve? Doesn't only have to be business, but some ambitious bucket list goals that you would like to achieve so, at the end of your life. So I keep this little book on my desk here. Um, <laughs> it's a bucket list in a, what do you call it? Um, he, uh, there's it's my little bucket list deal. But uh, in here though, this year, like I tried to knock out four, four things on my bucket list. Cause there's a big old thing mm -hmm. or whatever in there. It's a cool little book, but it's not like super ambitious, but for me, it's super ambitious. One of them is go swimming in the ocean at nighttime. And the reason why that's ambitious for me is because I am free. I, the movie jaws messed me up for life mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, there's this, there's stuff in there that we don't even know about that's just creeping around down there and it's just a little freaky, but just the, you know, step out there and, uh, swim at night. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Skydiving is another one for me. Um, cause I am big, scared of heights. My biggest fears, number one is spiders, <laughs> the ocean and heights. Those three things. Like, I don't even care if it's a little bitty spider, they, they, they're creepier. Right? They got eight eyes and eight, eight legs. It just, mm -hmm. it ain't supposed to be there but whatever. So yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to do skydiving though and get and swim out in the ocean. That'd be pretty cool at nighttime. You already uh, talked about it uh, when people would attend your funeral. What is something you would like people to say about you at your eulogy? That he cared so much about impacting those around them and, and helping people be, see what's really lies within them. That's always lied within them. And he helped them bring that to the surface. Is there any kind of quote or saying that was really important for you or that you live by? Oh man, so many of them. But uh, one of my favorite ones by Jim Rohn is it's not, it's not about what you get. It's, it's not about what you get. It's who you become in the process. That one right there is like, oh man, that, that really hit home, you know, because it's, it's not like once you start achieving the goals, a lot of times you're like, yeah, that was cool and all, but it's, it's really about who you become while you achieve that goal and the skills you develop and the, per, the character that you developed and stuff that is really what, what, what's really valuable. The last question, if I mention a meaningful and fulfilling life, what does that mean for you? It, means, yeah. it means finding happiness. What makes you happy? Because we're only here once. Why live your life being miserable? Be happy achieve the goals that mean something to you, something that's going to make you feel fulfilled, having that purpose that drives you. That's, that's what it's all about for me. And that's what, what I like to teach people. Zach, I want to take a moment to appreciate you for, uh, you also talked about it from a uh, prison to promised land, showing that people can hit rock bottom, but can make a bigger impact, can set goals, can achieve them. And it's not only about the money, it's about making an impact, taking responsibility, moving forward and that we can change our lives no matter how many negative things happen. You know, we can learn from it and move forward. If people want to find out more about you and the goal achievement coaching that you do, where can they can get in touch with you and find out more about you? Right on, Philip. I appreciate that. It's at ZacharyBabcock.com. And also you can check me out on YouTube, uh, Zachary Babcock. 
and that's uh, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-B-A-B-C-O-C-K. Appreciate you, my man. Hey, it's Phil from Habit Bootcamps, and I help people boost their productivity and do more in less time, and I help entrepreneurs and coaches get more clients and increase their sales. If this might be something for you and you want to get on a free consultation call with me, you should go to habitbootcamps.com slash getproductive or habitbootcamps.com slash getclients. On the call itself, we'll figure out what your challenges are, what the next best steps are to take, and if we might be able to work together. So if you're interested in this, don't hesitate and book the free consultation session. And if you like my podcast, don't forget to subscribe and check out my Habit Bootcamps YouTube channel and Facebook group for some more awesome content.